Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Radio Havana Cuba, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, and NHK World Radio Japan. We will begin with France 24. First, a press review on the farmers' tractor blockades in many parts of France, Germany, and Brussels. Farmers are protesting low pay, a reduction in fuel subsidies, imports of less expensive produce, and regulations to curb greenhouse gases. Then an interview with Oliver McTurnan, Director of Forward Thinking, an organization promoting cross-cultural dialogue. He discusses the need for an immediate ceasefire in Palestine and who is preventing it from happening. He says the judgment by the International Court of Justice is not being implemented and that we are losing sight of the norms that were in place after the Second World War. France 24. Now, the unrest among uh, European farmers uh, block-wide continuing today. Uh, tractors uh, continuing to block major roads across France and Belgium, even uh, stationed outside the European Parliament this uh, Thursday morning. Yeah, it's garnering a lot of press uh, in Europe. Let's start with the Belgian press, Le Soir. Uh, Le Soir is talking about how protesters blockaded uh, the streets leading into the capital, Brussels. Thousands of farmers are expected to descend upon the capital, this obviously coming as uh, ministers fly in, uh, ministers arrive for that very important European Council summit being held this Thursday. Farmers' protests also making news here on the front of Il Manifesto, the Italian daily, which is also looking at uh, those tractor blockades uh, across um, Europe, the anger felt by farmers at EU agricultural legislation, also their threats posed to their industry because uh, of the Ukraine war. These are all issues that are expected to top that agenda of the European Council summit. And farmers uh, are angry, angry sorry, about a whole range of issues, issues they say continue to threaten their livelihoods. That's right. Poor working conditions, low pay, free trade agreements. The environment is also a big factor, a big preoccupation for farmers. This is something that uh, Le Figo is looking at. What do Farmers want from Europe. That's what uh, Le Figaro says on its front page here. Uh, the EU's transition to cleaner uh, energies will impose farmers to change their uh, ways and they say it would negatively impact their livelihood. Uh, but on the other hand, the agricultural sector is one of the most polluting. So there is the dilemma. Farmers essentially uh, want compensation for this transition to cleaner energies. There's also the issue of Following. It's an issue that has been spoken about a lot in the French press. In French, it's uh, la jachère, 
the issue of um, following is essentially EU legisla legislation requires European farmers uh, to reserve a small portion, about 4% of their fertile lands to fallowing, which is essentially the process of not cultivating that land for a certain period of time to allow the soil to regenerate and for, to restore biodiversity to the area. Farmers say this affects their livelihood and their capacity to um, produce and then uh, sell food. The measure was temporarily suspended when the war in Ukraine broke out. Uh, that measure was suspended. The suspension ended last year and farmers want uh, that measure to be uh, extended now. Liberation, the left-wing paper, also looking at this issue on its front page, uh, uh, but more looking at more widely at the issue of ecology. The paper asks on its front page, what if ecology was indeed the answer to all us, to this crisis for too long? The paper says farmers have, um, at least France's major farming union, has advocated for more land to develop pork farms. No matter the cost to the environment, it has lobbied the EU for the use of more pesticides and demanded exceptions to use more water for its agricultural practices. On the other hand, uh, groups representing uh, environmental rights have perhaps been too morally superior, always lecturing the agricultural sector uh, without taking into account their very uh, legitimate economic needs. It's time for both sides to stop staring at each other stonily, the paper says, and start trying to find a common way out of this crisis. Bring in uh, Oliver McTernan, Director of Forward Thinking. Oliver, thank you for being with us. I'm wondering how you're reading this situation right now. Hamas considering this peace plan, but obviously Israel continuing its bombardment. I think Mark caught it there. The gap between the expectations of Hamas and the statements of Netanyahu. Sunday's talks that brought in Bill Burns and high-level participation began with this standoff between Hamas saying we want a permanent ceasefire in addition, we want the principle of all for all, all the prisoners for all the hostages discussed. Netanyahu was saying, no way will there be a ceasefire until we achieve all our objectives, including the total demise of Hamas and Gaza, and also are not willing to discuss the all for all principle. So how do you breach that gap? Now, what we're told is these phases, but the report you had from Gaza, we heard the voice of Gaza, the people need now a permanent ceasefire. And we're going to mess around for the next, and I use that word um, intentionally, we're going to mess around for the next maybe two weeks, three weeks or whatever to get a phase saying, okay, we'll feed you, we'll treat you in this period, but then we'll go back to killing you. I don't think it's what's needed. The cry of the people, the 2.4 million or 2.3 million people in Gaza is we need a ceasefire now. We need food, we need medicine, we need to get our lives back. And that's what should be heard by both sides. 1,200 Israelis killed by Hamas on October the 7th. I don't think anybody speaking from a strictly neutral point uh, has anything to say about that other than it was an atrocity. But then you look at the death toll now currently over 26,900 killed. It does seem, I think, if you look at it again with neutral eyes, disproportionate. Who's in the way of stopping this? Is it solely Benjamin Netanyahu? He seems to be the one who seems to be most gung-ho about going forward and continuing with this war. 
I fear so. Um, I mean, you're right in saying there's no debate over the 7th of October. It was horrendous what happened. But the issue is the what the old saying used to be, the law lex talionis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It, the whole thing was about containing retribution or retaliation. We've totally lost sight of that. And my fear is that you've got two leaders now, um, on the one hand, Netanyahu, the other hand, Senwar, who are locked in their certainties, are determined that the survival depends on either of them coming out on top of this. And the loser is not just the million to couple of million people in Gaza. The loser is humanity because we're losing sight of the norms that were in place after the Second World War, which should govern our whole human relationships. Disputes will happen, but if we can't deal with them in a human way, if we resort to this sort of level of violence and retaliation, I think I'd fear what's down the road for us, for the whole of humanity. So I, I think two people, two leaders now seem to be locked in this confrontation and the price, not just, as I say, the frontline price is paid by the millions in Gaza, but the, the long-term price will be paid by all of us. Because while Hamas is considering this deal, what is really important is what Israel does, isn't it? Yes, and we just look at what's happened. We had just, we're not into a week since the ICJ judgment, and we don't see any significant change in Israeli operations in Gaza. And again, that should be deeply worrying. I think there's one player in all of this, and I'm afraid that's Joe Biden. And Biden really needs to look beyond the immediate, the political interests and say, look, what I'm looking at now is the whole international order, a rule-based society, how we deal with each other as human beings. And I think he must intervene and say to the Israeli government, enough, we cannot support this. We can't give the political protection we've been given. Because, as you said rightly earlier on, the whole principle of proportionality is being lost. The US sitting on blocking aid for Ukraine, but at the same time continues to send aid of all kinds to Israel. This is something that perhaps needs to be looked at again. This is what you're saying. Exactly. Because um, it's, it's first and foremost, the people who are suffering are the people of Gaza. I'm here in Cairo. I've just been talking all day with people who have come out of Gaza, um, people who time after time rebuilt Gaza after the five wars that we've witnessed. But they are totally traumatized. I don't think the extent of what is happening to the people in Gaza and the long-term impact that's going to have, I don't think that is registered because um, there isn't enough human contact. The only people on the front line there are the UN workers who have gone in, the World Health Organization people, um, the doctors that have gone in. They're on the front line. They see the human impact. And what the politicians and leaders should be doing is listening to them, getting an objective feedback from people going in and seeing the terrible impact this is having on, on so many people. Oliver Materna, Director of Forward Thinking. That press review and interview were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, 
France24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France24 English. They are also available at most podcast sites. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. United Nations Secretary General Guterres and numerous aid agencies have condemned the cessation of funds to the UNRWA, that's the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, because Israel has accused 12 of their workers of being involved in the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. The agency funds 13,000 Palestinians in Gaza. Israel has jailed 6,330 Palestinians since October 7th. On Monday, Israel launched a missile attack on the outskirts of Damascus, Syria. Radio Havana, Cuba. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres is meeting with key donors to the UNRWA, the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, after the U.S. and a dozen other countries halted funding for the agency after Israel accused 12 UNRWA employees of helping Hamas stage the October 7th attack. A group of at least 20 aid organizations, including Action Aid, Oxfam and Save the Children issued a statement condemning the decision to suspend funding, warning it could lead to a, quote, complete collapse of the humanitarian response in Gaza. UNRWA has fired nine staffers in response to the allegations, and the matter is being investigated. On Monday, the UN said Israeli authorities have not directly shared any evidence to substantiate these claims. UN official Stefan Duharek told reporters, quote, You know, we've seen this reference to a dossier. We saw it in the Times, in the Wall Street Journal, in CBS. I'm not going to name all the media organizations, but we respect them all. That information has not been given to us officially by the Israeli authorities. UNRWA reported today that Israel has attacked its facilities in Gaza at least 260 times, killing at least 360 Palestinians since October the 7th. The Israeli regime has jailed at least 6,330 Palestinians since October the 7th, 2023, when it launched its genocidal war. According to the Palestinian Information Center, the Sunday report was released jointly by the Palestinian Commission of Detainees Affairs and the Palestinian Prison Society, the PPS, noting that the number of Palestinian children detained during the said period stands at 400. The report added that 30 of the youngsters are being held in administrative detention. Administrative detention is an inhuman policy exercised by Israel which allows the regime's authorities to incarcerate Palestinians indefinitely without pressing formal charges or putting them on trial. The Israeli regime has launched a deadly missile attack on the outskirts of the Syrian capital of Damascus as the occupying entity continues its brutal ground and air aggression against Palestinians in the besieged Gaza Strip. Syrian media said the strikes targeted an area near the Sayyida Zainab Shrine in a southern suburb of Damascus on Monday, with initial reports putting the number of civilians killed at two, in addition to material damage. The Syrian Defense Ministry confirmed in a short statement the reports of the Israeli regime's strikes and said, quote, In the Zionist regime's aggression, some places in the south of Damascus were targeted, which led to the martyrdom and wounding of several civilians. 
Syrian news agency SANA -SANA reported that the airstrike was launched from the occupied Syrian Golan Heights and targeted several locations in southern Damascus. Iranian military advisors have been assassinated in the Sayed Zainab neighborhood by Israeli airstrikes in recent weeks. Syrian sources said the Monday attack was a failed attempt by the Israeli regime to assassinate more members of Iran's Islamic Revolution Guards Corps, the IRGC, in that area. Initial reports claim that the Israeli strikes had targeted a center belonging to Iranian military advisors in Syria, but Iran's ambassador to Syria, Hussein Akbari, said in a post on X that no Iranian military advisor was killed in the new Israeli aggression. Quote, today's attack by the Zionist regime's fighter jets on the southern outskirts of Damascus did not target any advisory center of the Islamic Republic of Iran. That report was from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though there are no podcasts. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 5 p.m. to 11 at either 6000, 6060, or 6165. All the times I announce are for Pacific Standard Time. At their website, radiohc.cu, you can stream the English version at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Standard Time. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Record high temperatures in Colombia have resulted in hundreds of wildfires, some on the borders of Bogota. Large protest for an immediate release of all hostages and against Netanyahu and Israel have led to violent clashes with Israeli police. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Record temperatures in many parts of Colombia and a lack of water. Firefighters have already extinguished hundreds of wildfires this month. But dozens more are still burning. Even around the capital, Bogota, a state of emergency is in force. The flames coming dangerously close to residential areas. The fire is so close to our homes. I came down because the smoke was affecting me badly. Headaches, difficulty breathing and seeing. A lot of our neighbors are trying to help control the fire. The city is covered in smoke and still on high alert. We are aware there will be difficult weeks and months to come. We need to deal with what we are facing today, but we also need to be better prepared for what could be coming next month. Record temperatures in many parts of Colombia and a lack of water have made it difficult to extinguish the flames. President Gustavo Petro has linked the heat and raging wildfires to climate change. And there's only a slight chance of rain in the next few days. U.S. officials say they are closer to a deal to pause fighting in Gaza in exchange for the release of many more hostages held by Hamas. That's as pressure in Israel mounts against the government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. On Saturday, Israeli police clashed with protesters during an anti-government rally in Tel Aviv. Protesters called for new elections along with the immediate release of all hostages still held in Gaza.
DW correspondent Tanya Kramer is standing by in Jerusalem. Hello, Tanya. Israelis uh, broadly backed their government's handling of the war on Hamas in the first weeks after the October 7th attacks. Now we are seeing massive protests outside the prime minister's home. What has changed? Well, I think it's quite a fast-moving situation, but also a complex uh, picture here. Uh, as you said, the, the country is uh, still very much united uh, uh, behind, you know, a, a majority of Israelis support the war, they support uh, the armed forces and to a certain extent also uh, their leadership. But the longer this goes on, the more questions are being asked to what are the scenarios for the day after. And one very, very big and very important question here is the issue of the hostages um, that, you know, the that's what we are seeing here in the past weeks. There have been every Saturday uh, tens of thousands of people coming out to demand the release, to, to, to demand the, the government a new uh, hostage deal to um, release the remaining uh, over 136 hostages that are believed to be still in Gaza to uh, free them. And we have more groups now joining those protests. Uh, they're the anti-Netanyahu uh, protesters that have been around, but they haven't been coming out so much. We've seen them. We have some uh, protesters that are protesting against uh, the war. These are smaller protests, but also uh, protesters that are now calling for new elections. And that is also, according to polls, what a majority of Israelis want to see, that after the war ends, there should be new elections. And yet it seems like in the face of the growing criticism, Prime Minister Netanyahu has remained defiant. But how long can he afford to stay the course? Well, I think he seems to be quite unfazed, uh, as you say, by the uh, criticism. Uh, he says uh, he wants to achieve the goals that he has set uh, to remove Hamas from, from power and also uh, that the work to continue as long as it takes. But he is under more pressure uh, internationally by his allies, the United States. They want to see a scaling down of the intensity of the war, more aid, uh, more protection of the civilian population in Gaza, but domestically as well. There's the issue uh, that he needs to uh, bring those hostages home that is very much on the public's uh, mind. His popularity has dropped dramatically in polls and a lot of people have criticized him because he didn't take so far responsibility for the security failures for the uh, terror attacks on October 7th. Mm. DW correspondent Tanya Kramer. That interview is from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Also available at most podcast sites, as is the Shortwave Report. If you have questions or comments about the Shortwave Report or could help support this listener-funded program, like listeners in Redway, California and Littleton, Colorado did this week, PayPal contact information is available at my website, outfarpress.com, or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Your support helps the weekly production and distribution of this show, which is supplied without cost to more than 100 radio stations across the globe. We will conclude with NHK World Radio Japan. 
Some Israeli cabinet members say Israel should control Gaza and rebuild settlements after eliminating Hamas. Former pacifists Japan and Germany have signed an agreement to exchange military supplies. In Pakistan, former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for leaking state secrets. NHK Japan The Israel-Hamas conflict has put the future of Gaza top of mind, and some Israeli cabinet members are proposing a controversial plan for it. They say their country should control the territory and rebuild Jewish settlements there after eliminating Hamas. Right-wing and far-right groups organized a rally in Jerusalem on Sunday. More than 10 cabinet ministers took part. If we want to avoid another October 7th, we must return to Gaza and control the territory. Israel pulled its military out of the Strip, as well as all settlements there, in 2005. Hamas later took control. Rally participants claimed the withdrawal enabled the group to attack Israel, including the surprise assault in the fall. Japan and Germany have signed an agreement to facilitate the exchange of military supplies. The two countries have taken steps to enhance defense cooperation in recent years. The agreement was signed by Japan's foreign minister and Germany's ambassador to Japan on Monday. This agreement will help promote security cooperation between the two countries and also actively contribute to the peace and stability of the international community. The pact aims to simplify the exchange of supplies like food, fuel and ammunition between Japan's self-defense forces and the German military during drills or major disasters. They held their first joint combat drills in Japan in 2022. Japan has made similar agreements with six other countries, including the United States, Australia and India. A special court in Pakistan has sentenced former Prime Minister Imran Khan to 10 years in prison for leaking state secrets. This comes ahead of the general election scheduled for February 8th. Khan served as Prime Minister for about four years from 2018. But last August, he was convicted of corruption and taken into custody. He was later indicted for revealing official secrets that he obtained while in office. Pakistani media reported Khan and former foreign minister Shah Mahmood Kresi were given a 10-year jail term each on Tuesday, but details haven't been disclosed. Kresi is Khan's close aide. Khan's legal team reportedly planned to appeal. Khan is a former cricket star, and his Pakistan Tariq e Insaf party is popular, especially among young people. His supporters condemned the court decision as an attempt to obstruct election campaigning. Local media reports say the conviction will make it difficult for Khan and his aide to run in elections in the next five years. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. 
On shortwave, they are now heard at 9 p.m. at 13735 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. NHK may also be found at most podcast sites. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcast, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find information for online support. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. For 26 years, the shortwave report has been produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. While I am recuperating from spinal surgery, I am staying in a house that is connected to the grid. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.